You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. So the last four weeks, we have been pitting two words against one another. And these two words, we kind of live in the tension of these words all the time. And, and usually we're going to have to make a choice between uh, these two words. And the two words that we have uh, today are the words forward over backward. Uh, making that choice. Are we going to move forward or are we going to move backward? It's a weighted choice, however, because really there's three options. You can make no choice at all or you can choose to move forward or you can choose to move backward. But by making no choice at all, you're actually moving backward. So two-thirds of the options have you moving in a backward direction. Uh, this morning, I want us to see what it looks like for you and I to move forward together in our walk with Jesus, in our relationship with Christ, and, and not be neutral, because by being neutral, being, by, by being stagnant, we're moving backward. And certainly, we would not want to, to choose today. I'm assuming if you got for church this morning, you're not necessarily choosing to move backward in your, in your walk with the Lord. But again, by making no choice at all, you'll begin to move backward, spiritually speaking. The second law of thermodynamics says that anything within a closed system will begin to experience, will tend toward entropy. Uh, it's the same thing in, in our physical bodies. If we, if we do not work out, if we do not take care of our bodies, we all know we don't just stay in neutral. We begin to, to digress physically. The same is, is true of our spiritual condition. If we're not exercising and moving forward our spiritual disciplines, we don't just stay in a, in a neutral setting or a neutral position. We begin to actually move backwards, spiritually speaking. So this morning, let's, let's look together at what it would look like for us to all choose in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the grace of Jesus Christ to choose a forward motion in our relationship with the Lord and not sitting still and certainly not choosing to move backward. There's a quote that moves me. It's moved me for, for many years. Every time I read this quote, it just arrests my, my heart. It's a quote by A.W. Tozer in his book, The Pursuit of God. And so if you're looking for a, a good weighty book to read this semester, because I know as a college student, many of you are just looking for one more book to read this semester. But if you're, if you're here today and have the time to read another book this semester, I'd encourage you to buy A.W. Tozer's the pursuit of God. And I, I put his quote on the screen for me to read through as we consider moving forward in our relationship with Jesus. It seems that we center upon the initial act of accepting Christ and we're not expected thereafter to crave any further revelation of God to our souls. Can Christ be received without a creation of any special love for him and the soul of the receiver? Is one saved but not hungry for God? We have been snared in the coils of a spurious logic, which means a false, bogus logic, which insists that if we have found him, that we need no more seek him. In the midst of this great chill, there are some, I rejoice to acknowledge, who will not be content with this shallow logic. Come near to the holy women and men of the past. And you will soon feel the heat of their desire after God. They mourned for him. They prayed and wrestled and sought for him day and night, in season and out. And when they had found him, the finding was all the sweeter for the long seeking. With that gut check of a quote being made, let's see together this morning 
what it would look like for us to hunger forward for Christ, to walk forward with Jesus. And so if you're here today and it feels like spiritually speaking that you're at a stale place or a stagnant place or a stationary place, would you come with me this morning as we look together into God's word? Would you turn with me please to the book of First Timothy? Let's go to chapter four together this morning as we, by the power of the spirit and the grace of Christ, choose forward over backward. First Timothy chapter four, we're gonna be in verses seven through 15 this morning. And as you find First Timothy chapter four and find yourself there in verse seven, let me just tell you that verse seven through 15 specifically, it's very clearly, is toward Timothy. It's a, it's a letter from Paul to Timothy as he is encouraging Timothy to pastor the church well, to, to, to live, live the life of faith well in front of his people. But I want you to know that generally, and this is also very clear, this is a word for, for all of us on how we might move forward in our faith. We might move forward as representatives of, of Christ, that we might move forward in our relationship with Jesus. So 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, let's just keep your Bible open the remainder of the morning. The word of the Lord says, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Let's just stop right there. Have nothing to do. Uh, in Greek, that's a really harsh word. It means like to, to refuse, to stop completely, to, to move far away from, to reject. So what, is, what are we rejecting? What are we moving far away from? What is it that we're, we're refusing? Well, it's these two words, irreverent things and, and, and silly myths, which might translate a little bit better in your Bible as unholy things and foolish things. Have nothing to do with with untruthful things, with unholy things, with ungodly things. Refuse, reject, move away from those things that are, that are foolish, those things that are, that are silly. Now this morning, I wanna give you six ways, according to scripture, not just six random things I came up with this week, but, but six things from God's word on how we might move forward in our walk with Jesus. So that's just what we're telling it. Moving forward in my walk with Jesus. And this might be, every now and then I preach a sermon that might be noteworthy. This might be one of them this morning. That you might want to take some notes, write this down in the back of your Bible, or type it into your notes on your iPhone, whatever that might be. Here are some ways, practically from God's word, that we can choose to move forward in our walk with Jesus. And here's the very first thing, according to what we see here in chapter, chapter 4, verse 7. Dedicated commitment to be in God's word. That's the very first thing. If you're choosing today, choosing this week to move forward in your walk with Jesus. And again, by choosing nothing at all, you're going to be moving backward. But by choosing this week to move forward in your walk with the Lord, we need a dedicated, we all need a dedicated commitment to be in God's word. Now there's an operative word in that phrase, and it's the small word, the preposition in. So not just hearing about God's word and not just believing God's word and not just being taught God's word and not just talking about God's word and not simply forming opinions about God's word, but listen, being in God's word, a dedicated commitment to be in God's word. So in doing so, we'd be moving away from foolish things. We'd be moving away from ungodly things. We'd be moving away from unholy things. And we have made this dedicated commitment to be in God's word because the truth is in this house, we're all dedicated to something. We're all committed to something, whether it be social media or your grandkids, more income or good grades, uh, better health or better friends, whatever you're looking for. We're all dedicated to something. We all have a dedicated commitment 
to something, but to move forward in your walk with Jesus, to, to gain some traction in moving forward in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to have to be dedicated and committed, a dedicated commitment to be in God's word. Because listen, counter-biblical things are all around us. Counter-biblical words are all around us. Counter-biblical culture is all around us. Counter-biblical uh, biblical, um, society and social media and phrases and, and advertising. It's just all around us all the time. And let me just say this. Counter-biblical words that are beautifully spoken or beautifully written or beautifully tweeted are still counter-biblical. And what we see here in this passage is that we are to reject to move away from. In fact, the, the, the Greek word right here would also be a word that you might use to tell someone to get out of the neighborhood. Like move far away from the neighborhood of anything which is opposite of truth. As followers of Christ, we should not fool around with anything that is the opposite of truth. Verse seven, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Let's move forward. Rather, so this is what we do instead, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, Godliness is a value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying that Paul just gave us about godliness and physical training and the life to come, this saying is trustworthy, it's deserving of full acceptance. In other words, verse nine, Paul is saying, this is a truism. This is a maxim. This, this is an axiom. This is something that everyone needs to believe upon and needs to receive and needs to accept. It says here in verse, verse seven that we're to train ourselves. Uh, the word there, train, is, is the Greek word gymnazo, and it's where we get our English word gymnasium from, a, a place of, of exercise. Um, you might also find it interesting that gymnazo doesn't just mean to train, it means to train naked. And if you're not from Texas or Arkansas, the word I was trying to say was naked just then, but we call it naked around, around these parts. I would not uh, advise you, us this week to, to train without clothes on, but maybe the spiritual principle there is to take off all the hindrances, all the things that kind of encumber our walk with the Lord, and we're to train ourselves in godliness. We're to train ourselves in, in being women and men who reflect the attributes and the characteristics of God. Now, it's interesting that Paul uses like an athletic endeavor right here. He is saying those who, who train uh, physically, just think how strenuous that is. What, what a, what a self-denying denial type of task that that is. It, it is rigorous. It is self-sacrificing. To be an athlete, to have true bodily training, physical training, you have to say no to a whole lot of things. You might have to say no to rest. You might have to say no to sleep. You might have to say no to, to invitations. You might have to say no to, to the gathering of, of friends and because that's what it looks like to train as an athlete. Now, Paul is saying there is some value in training as an athlete, but it's just some value. In other words, it's a smaller value compared to the training that you and I are to be in as, as women and men who pursue God, who walk with Jesus. In other words, we need to invest instead in the things that last forever. So I think this is what Paul is saying. We need to sacrifice for the permanent. If you're gonna sacrifice for something, if you're gonna say no to some things, if you're gonna go into rigorous training and you're gonna give up some sleep and give up some rest and give up some invitations and it's gonna be a, a strenuous time, I encourage you, Paul says here, to sacrifice for the things that actually last forever because he says here, godliness 
It is not only of great value for this life, but also the life to come. We, we sacrifice perhaps a lot for, for, the, for the present, for the now, for the physical, for ourselves in this place at this time. But Paul is saying, no, no, I want you to sacrifice for, for the things that are going to last forever. We need to invest in the things that, that are eternal. Consider daily what is eternal. Now, I have maybe a little more memorable way of, of remembering that this week. And here's how I wrote my notes. Biceps last a season, but godliness is for eternity. Maybe you'll remember that one a, a little bit longer. We can, we can work and work and train and train and, and lift and, and we, can, we can buffet our body as, as the scriptures might say, but, but taking care of ourselves physically is for a short term. And it says here, it's just of some value. But when we train for godliness, and what do I mean by godliness? I mean, godliness is the pursuit of anything that honors God. That's the simple definition of godliness, the pursuit of anything that honors God and godliness also is taking on the transferable attributes or characteristics of God, that which can uh, be duplicated in our lives. The, the generosity of God, we can duplicate that in our lives. The, the goodness of God, the, the love of God, we, we can reproduce that in our lives. That can be duplicated. Uh, we, can, we can pass on or God can pass on to us the, the attributes of, of kindness and being slow to anger and, and compassion. Now, there are some attributes of God that are non-transferable, such as his sovereignty or his omniscience or his his uh, ubiquitous nature, that he's in all places at all times. We won't take on, those are non-transferable characteristics of God, but there are some characteristics of God that, that we can duplicate in our own lives. This is what godliness is. It is taking on the characteristics of God and pursuing anything that honors God. And Paul is saying right here, we should pursue those things. We should be willing to sacrifice whatever for the things that are, are permanent. Spiritual women and spiritual men, they sacrifice for godliness. Here's the third thing. We see it in verse 10. For to this end, what end? Godliness. Taking on the attributes of God, pursuing the things that honor God. For to this end, we toil and we strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. In other words, Christ is the savior of the world, but his salvation is applied to those who believe. It says here that we're gonna toil and that we're gonna strive to this end. So here's the third thing I, I wanna give to you this morning. We are going to imperfectly struggle as we look to God's perfection. In our forward motion walk with, with Jesus, there's gonna be some imperfect struggling in our own lives. But Paul is saying here, as, as you toil, as you strive, I want you to set your hope, set your heart, set your mind, set your eyes upon the living hope himself, who is God, our Father. The, the word toil right here, it means to, to work to a point of weakness. It means to work to a point of exhaustion. It means to work to a point of sweat. And the word strive right here, it's, it's the word, um, here's, my, here's your last Greek lesson for the day, um, agonizomai. And agonizomai is where we get our English word to agonize or, or agony. So Paul is saying right here, as you, as you work toward the end of taking on the characteristics of God, as you work toward that end of forward motion in your relationship with Jesus, just understand you're gonna have to toil, you're gonna have to strive, you're gonna have to agonize in a struggle, you're gonna, you're gonna have to go through personal pain, a personal struggle as you go toward that end. Let me say this, family. 
I know there are seasons of life where we struggle in our walk with God. I am fully aware, just as your heart and experience is fully aware, that there are seasons in life that we just wanna give up. And we struggle with consistency in walking with the Lord. And we get frustrated, so frustrated with ourselves because we keep going back to this old habit that we said we would never go back to. And sometimes we, we, we're so frustrated with the, with the imperfect struggle because we're looking at our own selves, we're looking at our own behavior, we're looking at our own toils, our own striving, that we feel like giving up and it's just too difficult to walk with Jesus. And when we, when we do that, we start moving backward. Or we, again, we start looking inward, which makes us to move backward. I think what Paul is saying here is you're gonna toil, you're gonna sweat, you're gonna give a lot of energy, you're gonna agonize sometimes through personal emotional pain, maybe even, even personal physical pain. But to this end, we keep our eyes on God. We keep our heart, our hope set on God. You, you struggle upward. You struggle forward. We keep our eyes set upon Jesus as we imperfectly struggle through this life. Our hope is set on Jesus as we move forward in our walk with, with him. Verse 11, here's the fourth thing. Command and teach these things. So here's Paul very specifically telling Timothy, a, a pastor of the church, a leader of the church, to command these things. What things? What we've just talked about this morning, to, to struggle, to toil, to, to train for godliness, even more so than we train for our physical bodies, to be, to be committed, to be in God's word and move away from the foolish things of, the, of this world. Verse 11, command and teach these things and let no one despise you for your youth. But set the believers an example in speech and conduct and love and faith. Impurity. Here's, here's the fourth thing I'd encourage you to consider with me or write down or memorize and take it home with you. Here it is. People are impacted by your spiritual patterns. People are impacted by the choices we make spiritually. I wrote this down because I think that should compel us to move forward in our walk with Jesus. In other words, there are no spiritual decisions made in a vacuum. When we make a spiritual decision or an unspiritual decision as a follower of Christ, we don't make that without eyes and without witnesses. We don't make that in a vacuum. We don't make that separate from, from the structure and the fiber and the connectivity of the church community. Our life in, in Christ should be a testimony. Our, our lives in Christ should be an example. It should be a model. What's so interesting to me about this passage is that normally in the Bible, it's a trickle down. It's the older generation passing down to the younger generation spiritual patterns of sound doctrine and, and sound speech and, and love for God and, and love for family. In fact, half of Titus chapter two that Paul is gonna write just two books later in your Bible, half of Titus chapter two is that trickle down of the older generation passing down a pattern, an example a model to the younger generation, but not here. In fact, this is very unique. It's a trickle up. It's the younger generation setting a pattern for the older generation, being an example, a model for the generation 
above them. I, I do this periodically. One, I'm almost always curious. Number two, I seem to always be encouraged. Number three, just to make sure you're awake. If you're 25 years, and that's just kind of a random number. That's not like some biblical young number. But if you're 25 years or, or younger, would you just lift your hand for a moment and go, go ahead and keep it? Man, that's, that's a lot of patterns. That's a lot of examples. That's, that's awesome. Thank you. You may, may put your hand down. So what, what that means for those who are 26 years and older, and I hate pointing at myself when I say that, 26 years or, or older, that means you are to us an example in the faith. You are setting a pattern for us. You are setting an example to those who are older, not just in this room and not just within this church, but those within the Christian redeemed community of Waco. You are setting an example for us. You are, you are impacting people by your spiritual patterns. Have you, have you realized that? In fact, the Bible is very clear what these five patterns are. And isn't it interesting that these five patterns, I would say, is where you are most assaulted every week by the enemy and by the culture and by the flesh. And here's what the scripture says, that you, those of y'all who are under the age of 25, you're to be a pattern for us older people, 26 and older, sorry, 26-year-olds to throw you into the old pattern, the old people group here. But those who are 26 years and older, we are watching you as you set the example in what? In your speech and in your words? your actions and your behavior, the sincerity of your love, the sincerity of your love, the authenticity of your love for God, for, for others, for the church community, your, your sincere, authentic love for those who are, let's just call them unlovable. You're setting the pattern for me. You're the example for me. And for everyone around you over the age of 25, you you're the example in what you say and how you act and the sincerity of your love. And what's the next word there? The sincerity of your faith. Your, your faith in a God who that you believe is unshakable, a God in whom you think that there are no impossibilities. You're the standard bearer of faith to me and the older generation in this church. That's quite an onus. That's quite a responsibility. Normally in the Bible, it's, it's us old people you 26 years and older people. It's a trickle down. Like we're passing down to the younger generation patterns that impact you by our spiritual disciplines and by our choices. But here you are setting the pattern for us. And what's the fifth word? And again, talking about the assault by the enemy and the, 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 the methodologies by, by, by Satan himself against your generation. What's the fifth one? Purity. You're, you're the standard bearer of purity within this Christian community here at Highland. We're not looking down on you. Quite the opposite, we're watching you. And quite the opposite, we're not looking down on you, we need you. Example is the greatest form of rhetoric. We're watching your pattern, it impacts people. Here's the, here's the fifth thing that we see here in, in verse 13. So until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation and, and to teaching. Here's the fifth way I would say to move forward in our walk with Jesus. I don't know how else to word this. Be with Bible people and under Bible teachers. Be around those who have devoted their lives to loving God's word, to, to applying God's word, to obeying God's word, to memorizing God's word, who, who speak God's word. It's an interesting word. Paul says, says here, devote yourself 
to hearing scripture read aloud. Like make that a commitment within your life to not only be around Bible people, but also be around Bible teachers. Now, Timothy was well-trained in sound doctrine. Now, this is not on the screen, but if your Bible's open, look back just one verse from where we began. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. Uh, just kind of the middle part of it. You'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of faith and, and having the good doctrine that you have followed. So someone already set a Bible pattern or scriptural pattern to Timothy. Someone, he had already been around Bible people. He'd already been around or under Bible teachers. You know who, who his Bible teachers were? Timothy's Bible teachers? It was his mom and his meemaw. Lois and Eunice. And we see that in 2 Timothy chapter one, I think verse five, maybe it's verse four, maybe it's verse six, but it's right around that middle part of, of 2 Timothy chapter one. His first Bible teachers growing up was his, his mama and his meemaw. And they gave him sound doctrine. They gave him, what does it say here? The words of faith. And then when Paul turned 21 years old and he was on a, excuse me, when Timothy turned 21 years old and he was on a second missionary journey with Paul, Paul began to invest in him, began to give him sound doctrine, began to give him words of faith. And here we are about 16 years later, uh, Timothy is somewhere around 34 to 35, maybe 36 years old. And Paul is now discipling him. He is now sitting underneath the Bible teaching, if you will, the scriptural authority of, of Paul. So Timothy made it his aim to be around Bible people and to sit under Bible teachers. And I would encourage all of us in this room, make sure not only are you like around people of, of the word, but you're also sitting under teachers who accurately preach God's word, who rightly divide the scripture. This will help us in moving forward. As it says here, as you are exhorted, that means encouraged. It says here, as you are taught, that means God's word explained to you. Here's the sixth and last thing I have is verse 14. So do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Now, again, specifically, this is very specific to, to Timothy, that Paul was reminding Timothy that there was a spiritual gift that was stirred up inside of him at a very certain time when the council of elders, probably there at Ephesus, they laid hands on, on Timothy and that, that, that little ember of his spiritual gift began to burn into a passionate flame for the Lord and for the church and for, for the kingdom. But let's take that and extrapolate that for us generally. Because generally, if you're in Christ today, you're a Christian today, you also have spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gave you at the point of your salvation. So here's what I would say as we desire, as we kind of wrap this sermon up this morning, as we desire to make the choice this week to move forward in our walk with Jesus, here's the sixth thing, endure. Because the Holy Spirit has given you gifts. And I would say to you, as Paul was saying to Timothy, church, don't set aside that spiritual gift. Or probably plural, gifts. Don't neglect your calling. Don't push aside the fact that other Godly Christians have seen things in you and have called things out of you. Your spiritual gifts, they're, they're for life. They're given to you as you endure and you stay with it as you walk forward in your relationship with Jesus. Your spiritual gifts are not temporary. They are, they are permanent. It empowers us forward. And then and Paul tells Timothy, verse 15, practice these things. I love that. Practice these things. What things? The things we just talked about. 
Don't just analyze them. Don't just nod your head at church on Sunday morning. Don't just take some notes. Just don't, don't like kind of think about it or consider it. In fact, I'd even say, don't just believe it. I would say today, do it. Practice these things as we move forward in our walk with the Lord. And then Paul says, immerse yourself, not just practice these things, but immerse yourself in them. In other words, don't just stick your toe in there, like jump all in. Immerse yourself in these things. And again, you might be asking, what, what things? Immerse myself, what, what is the them? Well, I'm gonna put them back on the screen for you. Here's the six things that we are to immerse ourselves in. Being dedicated in a commitment to be in God's word, to sacrifice for the permanent, to imperfectly struggle as we keep our eyes set on the perfection of God, that people are impacted by our spiritual patterns, that we are to be with Bible people and under Bible teachers to endure for the Holy Spirit has, has given us gifts. We are not to just consider those things. We are to practice those things. We're not just to dabble in those things. We're to be baptized in those things to fully immerse ourselves. Why? I'm glad you asked. First Timothy chapter four, end of verse 15, practice these things, immerse yourself in these things so that all may see your, oh, here it is, progress. That everyone might see the testimony that you are moving forward in your relationship with Jesus. You're choosing forward motion in Christ. Now let me say this, moving forward in your relationship with Jesus is not for the casual cultural church spectator. It's for those who have a passion to know him and will lay down anything and everything that they might know Christ. Practice these things, immerse yourself in these things so that everyone might see your forward progress, your forward motion. A lot of people have, have died climbing the Alps. And there is at the bottom of, of one of the highest points of the Alps in, in France that Someone fell, this is many years ago, fell. Um, they were almost to the very top, almost to the precipice of, of this mountaintop. And they fell, and I, I assume they just buried the body right there. I know that there's definitely a marker right there. And, and on that marker, it lists the name of this, this man who, who fell. And it has this expression in, in French. I don't know it in French, but it's been translated by Google Translate into, into English for me. And it says, he died climbing. I think that God's word to us today is simply this. Let's move forward in our relationship with Jesus. Let's gain some traction. Don't just sit stationary because that means you're moving backward, but to move forward in your walk with Jesus, to be in God's word, to be around God's people, to, to dedicate yourself to the permanent things, the things that will last forever. Because I don't know about you, but, but when I die, I would like it to be said of me, man, that guy, he died climbing. He died moving forward in his relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me, please, and let's pray together. Father, we love your word, and we love your presence, and we love your Holy Spirit, who is our teacher. Two-thirds of our choices today will move us backward. We can choose backward, or we can choose neutrality or stationary, and we will move back. Or by your grace and in the power of your spirit, we can choose this morning to move forward in our walk with Christ.
So we ask you to give us that grace. In the name of Christ we pray.